Well, we are going through the church calendar, and we are in, as I said last week, ordinary time. And uh, so we're looking at kind of the, the things that happened during the ordinary, if you could say anything Jesus did was ordinary, but during the ordinary part, kind of in between the big events that we celebrate, Christmas and Easter and Good Friday and those sorts of things, we're in his ordinary ministry. And so we're going to just jump right into the text this morning. It's a longer story. It's a story that um, if you're newer to the Bible, maybe you've never read. And if you've been a part of Crossview for a while, I know you've interacted with this story before. We'll spend a little time with it, primarily focusing on this man, this man who identifies himself as legion and Jesus' impact on him. So Luke chapter 8, if you have your Bibles or if you're on your phone, verse 26. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, and I picture this. He's climbing out of the boat and a man who's possessed by demons. How do you even how do you picture that in your mind? But here's a man possessed by demons and he came out to meet him. This man a long time he had been homeless, alienated, alone, he's naked, he's living in the tombs, he's outside the town. And we'll come back to this part at the end of our message. As soon as he saw Jesus, it says he shrieked, he fell down in front of him. He screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? He immediately knows, the demons know who this is. Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. Again, as we're trying to lean in, what does it mean to be possessed by demons? The spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke and rushed into the wilderness. He broke out of them completely under the demon's power. Somehow, this possession gave him even more strength. Jesus said, what is your name? Demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. Legion, a thousand, maybe thousands of demons. And again, I'll, I'll say this later, but, but the picture that you need to see as we enter into the spiritual warfare is Jesus is outnumbered. Thousands of demons, one Jesus. What's going to happen? Right? The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit, into the abyss. And so there happened to be, it's even a little comical, right? It tells us that we're in Gentile country. We're, we're not with the Jews right now. We're, we're out because the Jews thought the pigs were unclean. So we're in Gentile country. Jesus has gone to the other side. There's a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. Interesting request. We'll see how that turns out for these demons. Jesus gave them permission, and the demons came out of the man. And they entered the pigs, and the entire herd then plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. Not a good request after all. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. And people rushed out to see what had just happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. And, 
And Luke is leaning into this. He wants you to see that a radical transformation has just taken place. I mean, Jeff just gave us four stories of transformation. Here's Luke's way of articulating the transformation. This man had been roaming around the graveyards. Well, now he's sitting at Jesus' feet. He had been alone. Now he's with others. He had been naked. Now he's fully clothed. And I even want to imagine Jesus taking off his outer garment and giving it to this man. I just think Jesus would lead in that way. And now this man, he was not in his right mind. Now he's perfectly sane. And the town is afraid. And those who had happened, who had seen what had happened, told the others what had happened with this demon man had been healed by Jesus. And the people in the region of the Gerasenes, they don't know what to do with this Jesus. And they, they beg him to go away, to leave them alone. Jesus, the fear swept over. So Jesus returned. What has Jesus said elsewhere? Do not cast pearls before swine, right? He, if he's not wanted, he, he gets in the boat and he leaves and he crosses back to the other side of the lake. And the man who had been freed from the demons, we'll talk about this man, he wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus sent him home saying, no, 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 you, what, what I want you to do is go back to your family. We all have different assignments, right? Jeff and Kate have been called to do college ministry. We've been called to do other things. We all have assignments from Jesus. Jesus says to this man, I want you to go back to your family. And I think Luke is being very strategic in how he ends this story. Jesus says, tell them everything God has done for you. And so Luke wraps up the story by saying he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. <laughs> As we're reading through the Gospels and getting to know Jesus, Luke wants us to know, man, if you've met Jesus, you've met God, there's nobody like him. All right, so we could talk a little bit about the missionary aspect of the story, but for the sake of this morning, we're going to lean into this man and his demons. The Bible doesn't tell us this man's real name. I mean, we, we find out his name as he's kind of forgotten who he is. He's lost his identity. He identifies himself as Legion. That's not his real name. And the Bible doesn't tell us this man's backstory. But if we're going to enter into the story, I just, I just want us to wrestle with a few questions. What, what happened that led to this man being possessed by demons? Did he intentionally yield himself to the darkness? Did he give himself over to the darkness? How did the demons get into his life? Did he give in to jealousy or envy or shame or rage or fear? Was he a bully to others and just opened the door for demonic oppression? Or maybe it was uninvited evil. Maybe he was bullied. Maybe he was abused as a kid. Maybe he grew up in a house that lacked any sense of love. Maybe he was a Roman soldier. And he had seen what Rome had done in the name of peace. And he had witnessed horrible things. I don't know. But I know any of those seeds are dark seeds that can sow a whole lot of damage in a human's life. I know that any of those things can leave a wound that attracts demons like flies. 
So just three kind of brief points. First, I want to talk a little bit about these spiritual realities, these demons. There is, the Bible tells us, there is an unseen realm, an unseen real world. I believe it because the Bible tells me so. And though I don't know that I would attribute all evil in the world to actual demonic forces, I do believe we can attribute some of the evil we see in the world to demonic forces. Now we talk about the, the, the devil. The Bible talks about the devil, the Satan, the accuser. He's a divider. He seeks to divide and he begins, I really do believe the devil begins by dividing us within ourselves. We've got this man, thousands of demons. How divided is he? <laughs> That's what the devil does. Is he divides us within ourselves. We become a divided soul. We, we, we find ourselves working against ourselves. It's, it's when we, we, we want to do what is right, but if we're honest, we don't want to do what is right. We want to do what is good, but sometimes we find ourselves doing evil. We're divided within ourselves. Some of you know some of this experience. And the devil knows that if he can divide you, if he can divide me within ourselves, that'll seep out into broader relationships, into our families, into our communities. And, he'll, and, he'll just, and, and we feel it even today, don't we? All the division, the devil is at work. I don't know that we can attribute all of that to demonic forces, but some of it I think we can. We get divided in our own heart and it gets carried out amongst other people. Well, here's the good news, folks. John, the, 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 the writer of 1 John, says that Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen and hallelujah. The devil's real and his works are real, but Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And maybe for some of us today, our participation with Jesus will just be to turn to him this morning and to let him, if you will, cast out our demons. The ripple effect, what might that do? I, I love the story that Jeff just told of this young man who experienced Jesus putting his soul back together. I can only imagine the forgiveness that comes from Jesus and he's spending the summer to forgive somebody else who's wronged him, to bring harmony where there's been division. What a story. That's what King Jesus does. The story that we read today makes crystal clear that Christianity is not dualistic. The demonic forces are not the equal of God, right? A, th a thousand demons, one Jesus. It's no match. It's what the Bible says. The devil is a fallen angel, leading fallen angels, and God is infinitely more powerful. I want you to, God is infinitely more powerful. And in the very end, not only can God overcome them all, but he certainly will. Now, let me read to you what Martin Luther wrote in his famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress. This is verse 3, and let these words just wash through your soul. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Amen? I just want you to hear, you don't have to be afraid this morning. Jesus is far more powerful than the dark forces we see. See, Jesus is our Savior, and he can save you from anything. 
Well, you may wonder about the demons. I'm not going to try to answer all your questions. I don't know that I'm an expert on it, but I, but I do think a few things are clear in this text. The demons recognize Jesus. I think we could say that the demons draw their existence, their power from death. And I think here the, the demons are able to recognize Jesus because he is the one who is life. They see it. They recognize Jesus right away. Jesus, Son of the Most High. And what I want to lean into for a few more minutes here is that they are driven, the demons are driven to self-destruction. They've, they've divided this man and he's isolated himself and he's destroying himself. And then when they go in the pigs, it's just right over the cliff. They're, they're driven to self-destruction. The demons, they obey Jesus. But what else can evil do once it's lost its parasitical hold on that which is good? The demon's self-destruction is indicative of sin, for sin cannot help but lead to our self-destruction because sin is quite literally to try to be what we are not. The demons drive this man to self-destruction. Demons are at work in the world trying to drive you and I and those around us to self-destruction. But I want to try to, I mean, sometimes it's hard for us to get our minds around, especially in the culture and the world we live in, these, these unseen spiritual realms. So let me, let me kind of try to take a couple different metaphorical approaches to help you think through how Jesus can save you this morning. If you were with us a few months ago, I preached through Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, a great passage. And, and I invited you, as you think about Jesus being tempted by the devil, to not, to not picture this red creature with a goatee and a pitchfork and a tail, right? But I invited you, I mean, the devil's real, but I, but I invited you to think about the devil coming to Jesus in the wilderness the same way he comes to you and me. He doesn't usually knock on your door, this red being with a goatee and a pitchfork and a tail. But he often comes to you and I through what we perceive to be a good idea. The devil often comes to us in the form of a, what we would say is a good idea. So I want you to think through a few different metaphors of how these demons might be coming into your life and driving you towards self-destruction. The first, I'm going to read a quote. If you think of your heart's identity as an engine, you could say there is a kind of fuel that powers it cleanly and efficiently. A kind of fuel that is not only polluting, but all, and also a kind of fuel that is not only polluting, but also destroys the engine. There's a, a clean fuel and a, a dirty fuel that destroys the engine. Now maybe the dirty fuel is the fuel of fear and the need to prove yourself. Or maybe it's the need to be needed by someone else. Or maybe it's the need to express yourself fully and without restraint. There are many fuels that motivate us to live for a time, but only one fuel is clean and will not lead to weariness, disappointment, and ultimately self-destruction. And that fuel is God's love for you. Any other fuel will become demonic. It will obsess you or at best merely let you down. Whenever you're running your life on those fuels, Satan's got you where he wants you. The one thing he does not want is that God's words, you are my beloved child, to power the engine of your life and heart. So maybe you think this morning about the work of the enemy as a dirty fuel trying to start or run your engine. Or maybe you think about 
the work of the enemy as poison in your soul. Even as I was kind of running through these things this morning, I was reminded of Nelson Mandela's quote. I don't know if you've heard this quote before. But Nelson Mandela is, is known for many things, but this quote is, is easy to find. He said, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Again, I think that's the work of the enemy. It's drinking port and try, trying to run your life on fear or rage or hatred or lust. It's like drinking poison. You think it's going to impact others. It's just destroying yourself. Or maybe this morning... You think of the work of the enemy like cancer. Honestly, I hate cancer. It's Father's Day. Most of you know my dad died from cancer when I was 11 years old. I hate cancer. We think about the work of the enemy. Maybe you think about pain or shame or fear or anger or lust or loneliness or self-obsession. These things are part of being a broken human in a broken world, but they have the potential, all of them have the potential to become demonic. Everyone feels some pain and shame, some anger and fear, but these human failings have the potential to become something much worse, something very powerful and demonic. Destructive demons, they, they can become destructive demons like addiction. We might call it addiction or abuse. We think of it as cancer because demons can metastasize out of human pain or out of human shame or self-obsession that has not been properly thought through or processed. Either we can deal with our pain in a healthy way and let Jesus heal us, or it will possess us. It, it, it possesses the possibility of metastasizing into a demon. Either we take our shame and our guilt to the cross of Jesus Christ and experience his forgiveness or it can metastasize into a demon and take control of our life and then we're ruled by shame and we're ruled by fear. And if we're unaware, if these wounds, if this pain is left unattended, it becomes the breeding ground for demons. I've said this many times, but you can either transform your pain or transmit your pain. You can allow Jesus Christ to transform your shame, to free you from fear, or you can transmit it. If you don't allow Jesus to heal you, to forgive you, to transform your pain and shame into something else, it may become demonic in your life. It may get too much power in your life. It may possess you and control you. For the sake of this morning, let me just define demons as something like powerful internal forces that we can't control that take over our lives and lead to self-destruction. Powerful and internal forces that we can't control that take over our lives and lead to self-destruction. If demons get a hold of you in the form of abuse or addiction or some other way, they, they hold you down. Maybe that's part of your past. Maybe that's part of your story. You know what it means to be controlled by addiction or abuse or rage or fear or shame. You know what it, it feels like to be held down to the ground and you can't stand up. Maybe people brought uninvited evil into your life. I'm going to ask you this morning to, to maybe before Jesus be able to invite him in. Maybe Jesus wants to set you free this morning. 
people did unjust things to you, brought uninvited evil into your life, or maybe you did things. Maybe you discovered that there was evil in your own heart that you had no idea. You couldn't believe the things you've done or said. Again, I want to invite you to consider asking Jesus to meet you there, to forgive you, to set you free, to heal you. Now, this man in the story is an extreme case, but it gives us a picture. Many of us have our demons, demons like rage or addiction or lust. They, they, they even kind of give us a sense of power. They make us feel powerful, but it's destructive. And we need a savior. We need someone to set us free. I'm going to invite you to let Jesus be your savior this morning. And I want to turn our attention to Jesus. Even though he's outnumbered in this extreme case, Jesus encounters and overcomes demons. You may have some demons. And I want you to imagine, if you can, I want you to imagine being controlled by powerful internal forces that have taken over your life and are leading you to self-destruction. Maybe for some of you, you have to imagine it, but maybe for some of you, that's all too real even this morning. Yeah, you can name right now. You know you have this addiction. You have this abuse. You have this obsession. You have this shame, and you look in the mirror, and you can't see what God sees. We sang about being a child of God. You can't see yourself that way, even though God is telling you again and again, I love you, and you're my child. I want you to be imagined. I want you to imagine being controlled by a powerful internal force, and, and maybe just... Think about what it was like to be this man, a legion of demons walking through the graveyard and then seeing Jesus. Because Jesus is coming to you. Jesus is not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your troubles. He's not trying to keep, Jesus is coming to you. And I want you to imagine, imagine being this man possessed and controlled by demons for years and years and years and then seeing Jesus and maybe he feels something he's never felt before. You and I would call it hope. He doesn't know what to call it. There's something springs forth and he, and he starts to again believe I'm not a lost cause. Maybe there's a new life for me somewhere. Maybe this man, I almost believe this man can do something for me that no one else can do. I want you to imagine seeing Jesus and, and maybe even you're under control, but, but I love the story because, because I, I don't know how much, it just seems to me that he's got enough volition to when he, when he, when he comes before to, to fall on his knees. Maybe that's all you feel like you can do this morning. You can just, you can just fall on your knees before, but you have enough volition to just fall on your knees before Jesus. You don't know where else to go. There's nowhere else you need to go. Just fall. Jesus is coming to you. You start to feel this thing called hope, and you fall on your knees before Jesus. You can't set yourself free. No one else can set you free, but this Jesus, he says one word, one little word shall fell the enemy. He says one word, and maybe you experience the sensation. There's the shriek that comes out. Where did that come? The shriek, and you're set free from the evil that was within do you feel that? Do you feel the freedom, the new life, the flood, the, the love? Your, your engine has been barely stuttering. It's been, it's been running on dirty fuel. And now the, the, the clean, beautiful, powerful fuel of God's love is running through your veins. <laughs> You've been choking on poison, gone. You've been metastasizing cancer. Jesus just plucks it all out of you and you're healed. <laughs> And the demon is gone and the pigs, I mean, that's the graphic demonstration of victory. The the pigs are over the cliff and gone for good. It's the victory of Jesus in in your life, in this man's life, in all of our lives. 
Like you may be feeling overwhelmed this morning. I, I want you to know that if you, just, if, if you just have the capacity to look to Jesus and see the beauty of Jesus, if you have the capacity to kneel before Jesus, that he will, he will, he will remove the demons, these powerful internal forces that are controlling you and driving you towards self-destruction because he wants to heal you and put you back together. I want to invite you this morning to stop looking at and picking at your pain and your wounds. Stop obsessing over shame and just focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus Christ on the cross, bearing the sin of the world, bearing our wounds for us so that we can be whole and healed. Try to allow that little speck of hope that is, is just, it's just starting to blossom. Just let it go. Just let it be. Just let that hope Run through all of who you are. Turn your gaze away from all the things you've been obsessing about and focus on Jesus. Because when Christ begins to shine on you, those demons go away. Amen? When the sun is shining now, we're not in the darkness. Let the darkness subside. Let the woundedness begin to heal. And let the demons go so you can be free. The story is just a dramatic version of the stories of redemption that happen all the time. We all have our demons that can send us into a spiral of self-destruction, but Jesus is still setting demon-tormented people free. And when you're in your right mind, you know that you are loved by God. For this man, the deepest healing came from an encounter with unconditional love. So sit with Jesus. Learn from this man. Don't wander around crazily. Sit with Jesus. Rest with Jesus because that's when the healing happens. We come back to our right mind. We, we sit with Jesus and, and, we, and, and we may have forgotten who we are, so we sit with Jesus. And what, what do we learn from prayer school? We remind ourselves in Christ, I'm calm. I'm content, I'm wise, I'm unafraid. Jesus comes to this man who's crazy and naked and out of his mind, possessed by demons, and Jesus is calm and he's content and he's wise and he's unafraid. You remember that you're not agitated, you're not grasping, you're not foolish, you're not fearful, you're calm in Christ, you're content in Christ, you have everything you need, you're wise, you're patient, and there's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus turned this man from a demon man into a child of God, and this man became a preacher of the good news. He went away proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing a song. I'll invite the worship team to come up. We're going to sing a song, and if, I don't know, if God's stirring in you right now, there's a lot of great people here. If God's stirring right now and you want someone to pray over you during this next song, I invite you to turn. If there's somebody you know you feel comfortable, just turn and, I mean, if you got to get, get this out, get it out. Detox yourself of the poison. I feel the Spirit of God right now is convicting me of jealousy or envy or resentment. And, I mean, let's be the church. Let somebody put a hand on your shoulder and pray in the name of Jesus for Jesus to heal you and set you free. And if, and if you're not ready for that right now during the song, it's fine. But if, but if you feel, as the, as the worship team leads us in this next song, if you feel that stirring in you, again, I'm not in a hurry this afternoon, so, so find me after the service. I'll be hanging around. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to see some freedom. I'd, I'd love to see the kingdom of God push back the dominion of darkness 
Because if, because if we can allow Jesus to put us back together, then we become preachers of the good news, amen? And we go forth. We go even to the other side of the lake to those people. We go home. We go back to our homes. We go wherever Jesus sends us. We go there and we tell them, this is what Jesus did for me and he can do it for you. Even if Jesus is outnumbered by thousands, he has all the power. Let him do what he wants to do. And you may feel overwhelmed. You may have tried. You can't save yourself. All you need to do is just fall to your knees before Jesus. Let him heal you with his love and his mercy and forgiveness and then you'll sit with him and just enjoy a meal together and remember who you are. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, that's what we're going to ask this morning. We don't talk about demons that much, but we acknowledge they're real. The Bible tells us so, and there's a good chance that many of us have demons. And many of us, maybe we have our own stories. We had demons. You've set us free. We just want to testify to that. Because that's what you do, Jesus. You push back the kingdom of darkness and you shine upon us the kingdom of light. And if today is our day for freedom, if we can see you today, if we can gaze upon you, if we can see your beauty, if you can help us rise above the demons that are helping, trying to hold us down, Jesus, if you would bring us healing, if you would save us, if you would forgive us, if you would set us free, we want to receive that gift this morning. And we want to go forward as new people, children of God, changed forever by your love and sent forth to invite others into this wonderful gift you give us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.